Chapter 3, Through the Village The woman who had greeted them led the people of Ember into the town. They went down a dusty street past buildings that looked as if they'd been made out of the same brown earth that was underfoot. They were heavy-looking, imperfect buildings. Their walls were flat and lumpy, rounded and smooth at some of the corners. Lena saw cracks in the walls and crumbled places where bits of the window ledge or a step had fallen away. Paths and alleys and strips of garden wound between the houses. It was clear that no one had planned this place, not the way the builders had planned Ember. This town must have grown, one bit added to the next, and another bit added onto that. Plants grew everywhere. In Ember, the only plants were in the greenhouses, unless you counted mold or fungus, which grew in the trash heaps, and sometimes even in kitchen and bathrooms. But here, flowers and vegetables grew together beside every house, Plants sprang up along the streets, climbed walls, crawled over the fences, and pushed through the cracks and stairways. There were animals, too. Huge, amazing, terrifying animals. In a fenced-in place at the edge of the town, Lena saw four brown animals, much bigger than she was, with squarish heads and long, tassel-like tails. Farther on, tethered to a post in front of a house, was a yellow-eyed creature with two spikes poking out of its head. When she walked by, it suddenly said, Ma, and she skittered away in fright. She turned to look for Dune, who had fallen a little behind, but she found him stooping over, peering at some yellow flowers growing next to a wall. Look at this, he said. There's a spider that is the exact same yellow as the flower. There was, but only Dune would notice such a thing. Come on, stay with us, she said and she hurried him toward the front of the line to join his father and Mrs. Murdo and Poppy. These four people, Poppy and Mrs. Murdo, Dune and his father, were Lena's family now. She wanted them close around her. Only Poppy was really related to her, but Mrs. Murdo was like a mother. She had taken Lena and Poppy into her house when their granny had died, and she would have kept them with her until they hadn't to leave the city. Dune's father was part of her family just because he was Dune's father. And Dune himself, he was the one who'd been Lena's partner in finding the way out of Ember. There was a tie between the two of them that could never be broken. On they walked down one street and up another, around curves and down through narrow passages. Everywhere, people stared at them. Some leaned out from open windows. Some stood in the midst of the work they were doing, their shovels and brooms in their hands, and just stared. These people were taller and browner than the people of Ember. Were they friendly? Lena couldn't really tell. A few children waved and giggled. After a while, the refugees came out from the narrow streets into a wide open area. It must be like Ember's Harkin Square, Lena thought, in a place in the center of town where people gather. What is this place called? Lena asked Mary Waters, who was walking just ahead of them. The Plaza. Plaza. Hmm. Lena had never heard that word before. It was her first New World word. On one side of the plaza was a river. On the other side were stalls that thatched out the roof and had small buildings that displayed racks on the front holding faded-looking clothing, shoes with thick black soles, candles, brooms, pots of honey, and jam, along with plenty of things that Lena didn't even recognize. A bigger building stood at the plaza's far edge. It had wide steps in front, a double door, and a tower with windows up high that looked out over the plaza. Next to it was a tremendous plant of some kind, almost like a great pole with down sweeping arms. What is that? She asked the woman who was standing at the edge of the plaza. The woman looked startled. That's our town hall. 
No, I mean the big plant next to it. The big plant? The pine tree? Pine tree, said Lena. I've never seen a pine tree. Her second new word, pine tree. The woman gave her an odd look and Lena thanked her and moved on. Step this way, please, said Mary. There's plenty of water for you here, both in the river and in the fountain. She pointed to the middle of the plaza where there was a pool of water circled by a low wall. The water in the middle of the pool jumped up into a column of bubbling and spraying that splashed back down into the water constantly. The people of Ember surged forward. Dozens ran to the edge of the river and bent down to bathe their faces in the water. Children splashed their hands in it and crawled up onto the rim and tried to reach the leaping water in the middle of the fountain. Some of the children jumped in and had to be hauled out by their parents. People at the rear of the crowd pushed forward, but the people up front weren't ready to be pushed just quite yet. Suddenly there was yelling and jostling and water sloshing all over the pavement. Please, shouted Mary, her deep, loud voice rising. Order, order, shouted a man's voice. Lena heard other voices, too, as she struggled to her feet, the voices of the villagers crowding at the edges of the plaza. Get back, Tommy, get away from them. Where did you say they came from? Underground? Are these people like us, Mama? A child cried. Of course we're like you, Lena thought, aren't we? Are there more kinds of people than one? She got to her feet and wrung out the hem of her sweater, which was sopping wet. She spotted Mrs. Murdo on the other side of the plaza and headed towards her. The commotion finally subsided, and the people of Ember, their thirst quenched, gazed about them in wonder. Everything was strange and fascinating. They stood there with their heads craned back, gazing at the towering plants and the peeping creatures around the corners and the bright flowers and the windows and the doorways of the buildings. Children ran down the grassy bank to the river, tore off their shoes and socks, and dunked their feet in the water. Old people, exhausted from their walk, just lay down and fell asleep. The three town leaders began moving among the people of the village, talking with them in low voices for a minute or two, then nodding and moving on. Lena saw these townspeople glance at the new arrivals with worried looks. They didn't seem to know what to say. Lena could understand why. What would the mayor of Ember had done, for instance, if 400 people suddenly arrived from the unknown regions? By this time, the sky was beginning to darken, and a few townspeople started calling the refugees together. Come this way. Call your children. Please sit down. Mary Waters raised her hand above her head and stood that way without speaking for several seconds. She looked powerful, Lena thought, even though she was very short. Gradually, people fell silent and turned their attention to her. Greetings, she cried. My name is Mary Waters. This is Ben Barlow, she pointed to one of the men standing next to him. He had two wrinkles like the number 11 between his eyebrows. And this is Wilmer Dent, she said, pointing to another man who was tall and thin. We are the three leaders of this village, which is called Sparks. 322 people live here. I understand that you come from a city three days walk away. I must say, this is quite a surprise to us. We've not been aware of any post-disaster settlements nearby, much less a city. What does post-disaster mean? Lena whispered to Dune. I don't know, he whispered back. Mary began to clear her throat. We will do our best for you tonight, and then tomorrow we will talk about your plans. Some of our households are willing to take in a few of you for the night, those with young children or those who are older and ill. The rest of you may sleep here in the plaza. Those who go with the householders will share their evening meals. Those who stay here will be given bread and fruit. There was a scattering of applause from the people of Ember. Thank you, thank you, people cried out. What's bread? 
Lena whispered to Dune, and he shrugged his shoulders. Will all those who need shelter most for the night please stand? As I said, those with children, elderly, and ill. A rustle swept through. Stand up, father. You go, Willa. No, no, I'm all right. You go. Let Arno go. He sprained his foot. Because of Poppy, Lena and Mrs. Murdo stood up. Dune remained sitting, and so did his father. The brilliant yellow ball in the sky was traveling downward now, and the shadows grew longer. Night was coming, and with the gathering darkness, Lena's spirits grew darker, too. She thought of the green and blue bedroom she'd moved from back in Mrs. Murdo's house in Ember, the lovely room that she'd been so glad to have her as her own. She was almost homesick for it now. Right now, she would have been happy to have a bowl of turnip soup and just crawl between the covers of the bed with Poppy beside her. She knew that this place, the village of Sparks, was alive and that Ember was dead. She would not want to go back there even if she could, but right now as the air grew chilly, she wanted something familiar. Mary Waters was calling out names. At each name, someone from the village stepped forward and said how many people they could take. Lee Parsons? A tall woman in a black dress came forward. Two people, she said. And Mary Waters pointed to an old couple in the front of the crowd of refugees. They picked up their bags and followed the woman. Randolph, how many? Five, he said. He had three small children with him. Ever Mills, four. Lainey McMorris, two. Jane Garcia, three. It went on for a long time. The sky grew darker and darker and the air grew cooler. Lena shivered. She untied her sweater from around her waist and put it on. At the edge of the plaza, someone was raising a flame tipped stick and the lights, lighting lanterns that hung from the eaves of the buildings. They glowed a deep yellow and red. Mary was pointing at Mrs. Murdo now. You, ma'am, your child looks the sickest of anyone. We'll send you home with our doctor. She beckoned to a woman standing nearby, a tall, bony old woman with bushy gray hair that chopped off by her ears. Dr. Hester will take you, said Mary. Dr. Hester Crane. Lena stood up. She turned to Dune. Will you be all right here? It made her uneasy to be separated from Dune and his father. We'll be fine. No need to worry, said his father. The doctor stooped down and looked at Poppy, who drowsed in Mrs. Murdo's arms. She put a hand on Poppy's forehead. Hmm. Yes. Well, come along. I'll do what I can for her. Lena cast an anxious glance at Dune. Come find us in the morning, Dune said. We'll be right here. This way, said the doctor. Oh, wait. She scanned the mostly empty plaza. Torin, she called. Lena heard a slap of footsteps on the brick and saw a boy running towards them out of the darkness. We're going home, and these people are coming with us. The boy was younger than Lena. He had a strangely narrow face, as if someone had put a hand on either side of his head. Above his high forehead, his light brown hair stood in an untidy tuft. He glanced sideways at Lena and said nothing. The doctor headed up the road beside the river, walking with long strides, her hair in her pocket, and her head bent forward as if she were looking for something on the ground. Staying close beside Mrs. Murdo, who was carrying a sleeping poppy, Lena followed. The chilly evening air crept through the threads of her sweater. The homesick feeling swelled so big inside her that she had crossed her arms tightly and clenched her teeth to keep it from coming out. I love